0: Ayo, Babs, this shit crazy. Jimmy on beat boy. Well, hello, this is the Trophy Room, aka Trophy Room Radio. I am your host, Brett Hammer, wherever you are on this Monday. Thanks for making me part of your day. Coming up, how can we fix Storm in the Court? And we know almost officially what the Bears want to do with pick one. The Warriors are surging late once again, but is it sustainable? And what's it got to do with KD? Plus, which eight and seven quarterback said he still has two more rings left in? We'll get to all of that in just a second. But as you know, it's way too hard to buy quality graphic tees these days. You look it up, and all you get is sketchy third-party products on Etsy and eBay. And none of it's real. Game Changers is going to rent into all of that. Game Changers is a real company that puts quality in the phrase. You get what you pay for. High-end NBA, NFL, teams and players shirts. You can go over to GameChanger.la. You can use promo code hammertime 23 for $10 off. I'm wearing one right now. You get $10 off on me. Shoutouts. I was watching the, uh, the Lakers play the Suns yesterday. Um, look, it sucks not having football during Sunday or just football at all. We are getting a UFL here soon, so that'll be fun. Uh, but having four back-to-back-to-back matchups in the NBA on a Sunday, it's not bad. It's not, it's not as good, but it's not a bad way to go about it. Um, but there were two plays in the second half yesterday, or maybe it was in the second quarter where, or no, it was second half where LeBron picks off a pass, like a safety and runs it back and dunks it. And every time that cross court pass is thrown he picks it off. He, I mean, he looks like a heat-seeking missile. He looks like all of the cliches that you use to describe a defensive back as they intercept the pass and take the bounce. But, man. Um, I'm really into Marvel. been learning a lot about the multiverse, reading a ton of comics right now. I want to travel the multiverse, and... I want to watch the universe where LeBron... Plays football as a professional career instead of basketball because he could absolutely do it. I mean, he is what 38, 39, and still picking off passes taken to the house. So, really good stuff from LeBron. I want to see that. Shout out number two. If you remember, there was a punter. He was the, nicknamed the Punt God. His name was Matt Areze. He was from San Diego State. He was originally drafted by the Bills. Not too long after being drafted, there was a report of sexual assault, rape from um, of a minor when he was in college. He has now been fully exonerated. Well, he was exonerated a while ago. And... I mean, they found out that he was nowhere near the house at the time of the alleged event. We're not commentating on sexual assault or rapes or anything like that. But we are here to applaud Matt Areza for being signed by the Kansas City Chiefs. If you're innocent, if you're a good citizen, we want good things to happen to you. And shout out to Matt Areza for getting signed by the Kansas City Chiefs. And, si- and shout out once again to Andy Reid taking a chance on someone who uh, society views a certain way. View Hamad Areza however you want. Obviously his situation is different than Michael Vick. We know Michael Vick did certain things either way. Once again, Andy Reid willing to take a look at, at people who have been done wrong by society or have done society wrong and being willing to love and uh, show some redemption to them and i love it but the biggest story of the weekend what everyone seemed to be talking about two things in college basketball storming the court expanding the ncaa tournament and that's what we're going to hit first and then We're going to hit what I think is the most interesting story of the day, which is the Chicago Bears. And I know we've talked about the Bears a lot, and it's for almost nothing that they've actually done on the field. But I think that is the most interesting story today that no one is really talking about that I think you're only going to get if you're religiously reading articles. I don't think anyone else is talking about it. But let's do storming the court and expanding the tournament first. Let's do college basketball. Because that's the space that I work in. Storming the court. Um, I sat down today and I watched a little roundtable discussion on on GetUp this morning of what do you actually do with storming the court. And Jay Billis is pretty upset about it. Uh, one of his solutions is you let him storm the court and then you – he said obviously you can't stop them. So what you do is you let them all onto the court and then you ring the whole court off and then you arrest all of them. First of all, I don't know how that works. You're telling me you can't stop everyone from getting onto the court, but you're going to be able to stop everyone from getting off and be able to individually citation them or arrest all of them? I don't think that's going to happen because also what you're going to do is you got that many people, your odds of arresting one of the donor's kids through the roof. And here's the thing. These schools already don't want to stop storming the court. They don't want to ban it. And I don't want them to either. But we do have to acknowledge, however we feel about it, there's got to be a middle ground. Because these players' safety has to be of the number one utmost priority. Because without the players, there's no court to storm. That's, that's point number one. Point number two, the idiots who are alleging that, oh, Filipowski or Caitlin Clark, they were flopping, dude. Okay, here's, here's a fair point. In the same way that players fighting fans don't belong in the stands, fans, players don't belong in the stands, fans don't belong on the court. Media belongs on the court. Fans do not. So here's the deal. You're going to be somewhere you don't belong. You get to be respectful. When you're in somebody else's house, you get to be respectful. When you're on the court, you're at somebody else's house. Now, the question becomes, well, I thought of it like this. Mm. It's like if you're on a date with a girl and and you're scripting it out with her like, hey, we're gonna go get food and then we're gonna watch this movie and then we're gonna make out. It's like, wait, what? First of all, Obviously, we're assuming it's consensual, assuming that it is. Dude, if you're planning that out with her hours in advance, you just killed the vibe, dude. And the point I'm making is that like you can't organize the spontaneous nature of storming the court. Now, we got to find out. We have to find a way to do that because otherwise we can't have it. The alternative is if we can't do it safely, then we can't do it at all. Because again, for morality, for moral and basic purposes, if there's no players, there's no court to storm. Now, I get that storming the court, we need it to be spontaneous. We need it to G, just rush. And if I've heard some say that, well, let's just have a 30-second delay and then you can storm. I... I don't know that you're going to get them to go for that. And these people who think it's so easy to just ban storming the court, first of all, the schools say they don't like the fines. They like storming the court. It's a big point of attention and news for these schools. And feel however you want about that. Fans do not care about the fine to the school. You know why? Why? Because they're not paying it. And this idea... And and I believe there is this idea from a lot of media people who hate storming the court. And and I, I understand player safety. I'm with that. Do you understand... Frat boy culture runs universities. Barstool sports... That mentality runs college mentality. That that runs these kids. And so you can't just say, oh, you know what? We're just going to take your toy away and then there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's be honest. It's hard enough to stop single streakers from getting onto the court. How do you plan on stopping a fifteen to 20,000 mass of people. Here's what you have to do. I'm not a big fan of I'll give you some and then you give me some. I'm not really a huge fan of that discipline. But you gotta understand is the university, you are not the ones in power. As the administrators, as the police officers, unless you're gonna start shooting people, you are not the ones in power. You'll stop a couple kids, but one way or another, everyone is going to storm the court. You have to somehow find a way to say, look, the players will go, this is just, this avenue is just for the players. You can storm everywhere else. I mean, what I would argue is have them run to the scorer's table. Nobody's coming down through the scorer's table. Just get to your own sideline. Get to your own bench. Get to that north side of the court and then make it just a decree, hey, if you injure a player, look, we got facial recognition. These schools can find these people. You hit a player, you're done. You're gone. You're banned for life. You do that and nobody's bumping into anybody. Everyone is making sure the players are protected, even if you're opposing fans. To that player. That's my two cents. Here's the other college debate that everyone wanted to have this weekend. Should we expand the NCAA tournament? Now this is one where I think Jay Bill has said it better than anybody. In fact, I really don't even want to butcher this quote. Because it was that precise. Okay, here we go. Everyone on, on game day, this was a big topic Saturday, and then over the weekend became a big topic of whether or not we should expand the tournament once again. And I love what Jay Bill said. Quote: "The one thing that everybody's forgetting in is this is I'm I butcher that." And look, I did it. I butchered it. I have it right in front of me and I butchered it. Let's go again. Jay Billis on why the incidentally tournament should not expand. The one thing that everybody's forgetting is that this is not an access tournament. It is a national championship event. You should have to do something hard to get it. And and I think it's easy to say, oh, well, you're either in favor of expanding it or you're not in favor of expanding it. I don't think it's that simple. It is a national championship event. You should have to do something hard to get in. But also, we're already at 64 teams. Basketball is different than football. Sure. 64 teams different? I don't know. Like, we are already at 64, and you're already bringing in a billion dollars in a month and a half. <clears throat> well, and technically, we're not at 64. We're at 68 because you have play ins. Uh, which, so, either way, it's already a lot. Now, here's where I push back. Yes, we've expanded it, and yes, you have teams like Oral Roberts and uh, Western Zimbabwe Dental College, University of Phoenix. Um, Here's the deal, though. The underdogs never win. The underdogs make it far, and that's what's cool, is to watch them win a couple games. You almost have it built in underdog story into every season, but they don't actually have to win, so therefore they don't defeat the system. The winners always win. The San Diego State, the UConn, the Dukes, the UNCs, the the big schools, the Big East, the Villanovas, they always win. And so it's hard because it's like, on the one hand, we've already expanded so much, but then you can use that As the counter-argument to say, yeah, but we've already expanded so much. And I agree with Jay Billis. It is a national championship event. It should be hard to get in. But also, but also, we're already at 64 teams. Didn't we already pass the, this is a limited access event? Didn't we already push past that a while ago when we went to 64? And look, I'm here for 64. I... Love the madness. It wouldn't be madness if you had 16 or 32, really. You do have to wonder, though, at some point, like, dude, we already have an NIT tournament. If everyone can get in, what's the value? And and we are pushing that. And some could argue that we've already pushed past that. And so, you want to ask me? Should we expand the NCAA tournament? I don't think so. But the question isn't what I think. The question is what does the money say? Because what the money says is typically where the money makers want to go. And again, with uh, we had this conversation with All-Star Weekend last week. The question you have to ask is does diluting the tournament dilute the money? If you expand it so big... Will people stop watching because there's too many teams? And I don't think so. I don't think the viewers that you will lose will outweigh the money that you'll make by having more teams involved. That's what I think. Alright, this to me is the biggest story of the day, or at least has the potential to be. So... There's a man in sports media by the name of Peter King. He runs a column called the Monday Morning Quarterback. Big deal at Sports Illustrated. Big deal in sports media and around the NFL. Announced his retirement today. That may be a big story for some of you if you were a big Peter King guy. I wasn't. Um, I respect him as a legend to the game. I didn't grow up reading his stuff. I never read his stuff. Um, A little prickly for me, but uh, absolute legend. No animosity at all. And even if there was, who who am I to have any animosity towards one of the greatest writers of all time? Who cares what I think? And you're saying, okay, well, if, if Peter King's not that big a deal to you, why are we talking about him? Here's why. It's because he had a little something to say in addition to his retirement. This is part of what he said on his way out the door. He said, quote, I suppose the Bears are going to trade the top pick. I know nothing, but that seems to be the way the wind is blowing. All right, Peter. Well, which one is it? You know nothing? Because when you say seems to be the way the wind is blowing, first of all, that's an allusion to Chicago, Windy City. Ha ha ha. Got it. I know nothing, but that seems to be the way the wind is blowing. Okay. We've talked about this before. Um, media people know more than they say. Obviously. Now, some of that's time some of the time that's because they aren't able to confirm what they've heard, or other times it's because the story's not ready yet, or They don't want to burn a source. They don't want to burn themselves by reporting something they shouldn't. So, when you say, I suppose the Bears are going to trade the top pick. I know nothing, but that seems to be the way the wind is blowing. Okay, Peter, you're one of the most connected reporters in the history of the National Football League. Been doing it for 44 years. Don't say you know nothing. This is I'll tell you what this means. This means... I heard it from a very reliable source, but this was said to me in confidence. I'm not supposed to say anything, but it would be a little funny to let everyone know what I'm thinking as I walk out the door. And then just shut it and be gone. This to me, and what's funny is most mock drafts (laughs) Um, have the Bears taking Caleb Williams at one? No. If you're the Bears, you want those mock drafts to say that because the mock drafts are essentially stock. Essentially? That is not even a word. The mock drafts are essentially stock drafts. You like what I did there? See, because if the world, if the perception around the National Football League is that you're trade, if, is that you're taking Caleb Williams, and everyone who wants to take Caleb Williams believes it, because that's what all of these insiders are saying, and they don't wanna be wrong. So they'll go up, and they'll make bigger calls. Now, that's another reason they wouldn't want Peter King to say this, because then it takes the stock out of that number one pick, and it's not worth as much when they wanna trade down. I think it makes sense. Obviously, we've talked about this. I think there's a lot of value In Justin Fields. And more than that. I think the value that you're getting with Justin Fields. Is almost identical. To what you're getting. With. Caleb Williams. Except the difference is Justin Fields has actually. A. Played on big stages in college. And B. Played some form of NFL. Non-backyard football. And B. Has played actual NFL football. So we'll see what happens with the Bears. But what happened yesterday with the Warriors? Because coming into yesterday, I believe the Warriors had won eight of their last ten. So they're surging. And I said this the other day. And it's weird. I didn't expect it to happen again. But the Warriors are surging post-All-Star break once again almost like they land the plane and kind of slow down as they head into the all-star break and as soon as they get out of it they just take off like a jet and they're coming they're surging out of the all-star break and coming into it doing the right things um but they go ahead and they drop one to the nuggets yesterday Colin Coward had a segment a couple weeks ago saying, Did small ball ever really happen? It's an interesting take, but the point was it was such a flash in the pan and it wasn't replicated. It wasn't done before and it really hasn't been replicated since. So is it real? Was it ever verified for long enough to be considered? a real part of the game? Good question. Um, Draymond had some interesting comments following the game yesterday. He just said, he said, we just need everything to go our way. We need everything to bounce our way. And if we get that, we can beat any team. I don't see any team we couldn't beat. Well, that's weird because couldn't beat the Nuggets yesterday. And, and that was off one of your best first-half performances this season. Klay Thompson absolutely popping off off the bench. Um, I don't know that the Warriors ever win another championship without KD. I, I think it's very easy for us to say... Again, revisionist history. It's very easy for us to say that, well... The Warriors were winning championships before Kevin Durant got there. So his value to the team was nullified because of that. And there is truth to that. But also, other than the one championship, and I get it's a it's a big other than. I get that. Isn't Kevin Durant exactly what this team needed and needs now? Because if you watch the Nuggets game last night, they could not handle Nikola Jokic. They couldn't handle Aaron Gordon. They certainly had trouble with Michael Porter Jr. I mean, for heaven's sakes, the Nuggets shot 49%. The two game of Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic could not be handled by the Warriors. They, there was, there's no size and there's no interior on this team that means a lot. Again, they got a couple guys, but they don't put up significant stops or put significant minutes on both ends of the ball. And so what you have with the Warriors is this team that has to get into a track meet every game. Otherwise they will lose. And the first half for the Warriors yesterday was a track meet. It was rip the ball down court, three ball. It was quick ball movement, three ball. It was get the ball out to step, draw the defense, kick it down low, layup. And it was fast. It was quick. It was very smart, intentional basketball. But then the second half happened. And... I mean, let's be frank. The Warriors are lucky they don't play in the Eastern Conference where Giannis and Joel Embiid reside and others. They just don't have it in them to stop size. They are the definition of finesse, but there is no power on that team. And Draymond, frankly, is outperforming his size. That's not going to continue through the playoffs. And that's why the Warriors will likely never win again unless they get uh, a Victor Wembanyama, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis type. I mean, Anthony Davis, I think, if he could stay healthy, would probably be perfect for this team. Obviously, yeah, that's not going to happen. But the way this team is constructed right now, yes, Nikola Jokic is probably going to have trouble keeping up with this team. But the problem is the Nuggets are designed exactly perfect to give the Warriors fits. Because Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. are the size of power forward centers. But they run the floor like football players. And so the Warriors are certainly going to have a hard time stopping the Nuggets. And anybody else who's powerful down low... The Warriors will continue to struggle with. Which, again, I know I'm a KD apologist. I think he did make some dumb moves. I think leaving the Warriors was a dumb move. But also I think everyone forced him out. The Warriors didn't respect him as much as they should have. And NBA fans still don't respect him for that move as much as they should. But either way, KD is the perfect piece to the Warriors. That's why he was such a defensive Uh, animal frankly he was perfect on defense for the Warriors the Warriors are missing that now and it's showing our good buddy Andy Reid we talked about him earlier I don't know why I said good buddy I've never met him but he's a good guy I assume he's a good friend good buddy he looks like the kind of guy who would probably call you buddy in a respectful way not in like the derogatory way that a frat bro would call you that The reports are that contract talks are finally opening for Andy Reid to be the highest paid coach in the National Football League. Now, you say, well, how do we know that? Well, we know that because of reports. Because, fun fact for your Monday, in case you didn't know, Coaching and general manager contracts are not public record. So, like, you know, for the most part, most players, you know what they're making. You can look that up. But unless the team announces it or a reporter reports it, we don't really know exactly what NFL coaches are making. That's why there was a lot of speculation that Belichick was making more money than Brady for years and... It's not public knowledge, but the reports are that Andy Reid is going to be making a big contract, the biggest currently in the NFL, and he deserves it. It feels like, uh, I mean, Andy Reid is the guy. Andy Reid is the goat, my my go-to about how you decide if someone's in the Hall of Fame or not. When you tell the story of the game, if you made a TV show or movie about the game from start to finish, who's in it? And who's who's got who's got 15, 20 minutes in that show, in that documentary, docu-series? And Andy Reid certainly does. Goes probably Bill Belichick and Andy Reid has since usurped it. McVeigh had a, had a flash in the pan, but I don't know about that. But he's got plenty of time, so it's not the end of the world for McVeigh. Andy Reid is the guy. Andy Reid's history is in the NFL is it's interconnected. You're not pulling that apart. Andy Reid was going to conference championships long before Mahomes struggled in Kansas City for a while, made Alex Smith look what to be what he was, and then Mahomes became the perfect catalyst for his offense. Now Andy Reid has won three Super Bowls. With the Chiefs. 49ers twice. Eagles once. Deserves the contract. A hundred percent. And it's cool to see that he's finally getting the respect that he deserves. Alright. Teased you off the top. There is one quarterback who believes that he is still eligible For two Super Bowls, in fact, let's just go read the quote because I think it's that good. The Denver Broncos quarterback, Russell Wilson, former Seahawk, was on the I Am Athlete podcast with former Bronco Brandon Marshall. Sat down and this is what he had to say. He said, quote, I've got more fire than ever, honestly, especially over the past two years and and what I've gone through. Whether it's in Denver or somewhere else, I hope it's Denver, I hope I get to finish there, I committed there, I wanted to be there, I want to be there. For me, it's about winning. In the next five years, I want to win too. I want to feel the chill of that trophy again. I love the city and everything else, but you also wanna be in a place that loves you too. I want to win, that's all I care about. Okay. Said he wants to win two more. Couple interesting pieces here. A, he says whether it's in Denver or somewhere else. So the idea that he's not guaranteed to be in Denver, obviously, is out there. But then he says, you also want to be in a place that loves you too. Which is a snide way of saying, they don't love me. Now, later, um, he made some comment. He, He opened up about the situation with Sean Payton. But this is this is how it feels to me. There's this episode of How I Met Your Mother where um, one of the main characters his names Marshall. He has this dream of being an environmental lawyer. And then his wife gets a job offer to go to Italy and chase her dream of being an art consultant. And Basically, she turns it down because she knows her husband loves her job and shows up at his job one day and he's not working because they lost the case and now they had to lay everyone off pretty much except for him. And so he basically goes to work every day till the company goes under and they're making houses out of cards and they're chugging – Uh, six packs and they're trying to see how many burgers they can finish in a day. Like just doing all these stupid things. They're not really focused, but there's no one there to call them out on it. So they just kind of do whatever they want. And that's how it felt with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson got to the company and he said, I'm the guy. And they paid so much money for him that they had to tell him that he was the guy, regardless of who the coach was. He gets there, he hangs out, he runs the ship the way he wants it to. While it runs the way he wants, they don't win the way that anybody else wants. But they can't do anything about it. Then Sean Payton shows up. He's the wife. Shows up and says, what is going on here? What have you been doing here? He's like, oh, well, you know, we're just playing football. He's like, this is not playing football. We're doing it my way. Doing it my way made Russell Wilson angry because we know that Russell Wilson has a little bit of this method acting to play a quarterback and." Some lifetime documentary. Ah. Russell Wilson has beef with the coach. Um. So the question that we really want answered is, does Russell Wilson have what it takes to win two Super Bowls? Well, uh, and a lot of you are laughing, and that's fair. Now, does he? Has he ever had? What it took, sure. I mean, he's won one, he's been to multiple. Almost won two. Still shouldn't have given it to Marshawn, but it is an unfortunate play. Um Here's a couple things I could tell you. First of all, since 2016, we're in 2024 right now, since 2016. Dude's got two playoff wins. Probably still more than Dak Prescott, but uh, not great. The other thing I can tell you is that in order for Russell Wilson to be successful, he has to have 30-plus touchdowns, which he hasn't had since 2019. That year, he finished top five in Offensive Player of the Year voting. They made the playoffs. They won a playoff game that year. Hasn't been to the playoffs since 2020. He went 12-4 and that season. 2020 was last year. He had 30-plus touchdowns. He had 40. The year before that was 31, 35, 34. He had a good streak. The other thing is... Russell Wilson used to be one of the big play guys in the league. That is no longer. and, And it's tough... When your offensive situation is not how you want to play in it, and not only is the playbook and the offense not really catered to you, you don't get along with the chef either. Him and Sean Payton obviously don't get along. It doesn't help when uh, it doesn't help when Jarrett Stidham wins games, because then that makes you look even worse. So does Russell Wilson have what it takes to win two Super Bowls? Uh, I'll be honest. I hope that he does. Out of my just positivity and optimism, I hope everybody wins. But go back and watch that interview. I don't trust people. I get being nervous. But when he's asked that question... He leans like, forward in his seat to, with his elbows on his legs. And look, I do that in church when I'm trying not to fall asleep, but I don't do that in professional interviews. And then he just starts swiveling in the chair. Honestly, now that I'm thinking about that, you should put swiveling chairs in interviews because if somebody's swiveling in the chair, probably don't want them. They're probably too nervous. And frankly, when you're Russell Wilson and you're this guy who claims to exude confidence, when you start swiveling in your chair and you're playing with your hands the whole time, I mean, he looked so unbelievably nervous in that interview. And I hope that he's not. I hope that he goes out, proves all of us wrong, wins two more Super Bowls, him and Sean Payton become best friends and make a podcast together. I don't see that happening. In fact, just the body language alone makes me question what is about to happen in denver in the next couple months we'll see but the body language doesn't make the future bright in denver as always i appreciate you all for hanging out with me on this monday i hope you have an incredible rest of your day we will talk soon cheers